The Pismon we recite on the third day of Slichos, at least according to the Minig of Polin, is a very, very short and brief Pismon. It's known as Yisrael Nosham Bashem Chuaselamim. Um, the refrain, the chorus, which is repeated after every stanza, is justifying the reason we're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for forgiveness, for atonement. Ki ata rav slichos uval harachamim. You are the, the, the God of many. Rav slichos. Rav is a word which, which literally means many. Of course, it's one of the words of the 13 midos, rav chesed. And again, the simple reading is you have a lot of chesed, but rav can mean different meanings as well. But here it's used as Rav Slichot. You have many forms of forgiveness. Uval HaRachamim. And you're also the compassionate, merciful one. So this phrase describes both HaKadosh Baruch Hu's activity, which we solicit, his forgiving us, as well as the trait which which we want to capitalize upon, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Racham. So the refrain is always, Ki Rav Slichos Uval HaRachamim. You forgive many people, or you forgive people in many ways, Many different varieties, Uval Harachamim. Now, it's, it's a very, very short, relatively short Pismon. It only has six paragraphs, and the paragraphs are very short. They're each two lines, and they each end with Kiatarav Slichos Uval Harachamim. What's notable about this is, first of all, the interplay between Am Yisrael, its suffering, its long march through history, everything we've put up with, everything we've withstood. And the uh, the desire, the, the the quest for personal atonement, through so many of the slichos, the personal and the historical intertwine. So even in the first stanza, that intertwining is very evident. Yisrael Moshe Bashem Chuas Olamim. The Jewish people have been rescued, have been saved, have been triumphed through Hakadosh Baruch Hu for eternal triumph. Chuas Olamim. That could mean triumph in different worlds, both in Olam Hazel, Olam Abba. That could be a long-lasting, enduring triumph. But we have been chosen, we have been selected, we have been redeemed. Gam Hayom, <coughs> so too today, namely the day we're reciting Slichos, the period, the season, we're asking for tshuva. Yivashumi picha, let them be saved by your mouth, let them be redeemed by your word. Shochein meromim, the dweller upon high. Kiatarav Slichos so we're accessing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's redemption of Am Yisrael, and that should serve as a model for our own personal redemption, namely a positive, favorable answer to our solicitation for tshuva. Subsequent paragraphs in this Pismon don't just talk about Am Yisrael's being saved and rescued and redeemed as a template or a model for personal redemption, but quite the opposite. Because we've suffered so much, because we are, as the third stanza says, we're frightened from all our tormentors, from those who will ridicule us, those who will curse at us, don't forsake us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, let all of our merits that we've acquired through our faith and our conviction throughout this historical challenge, let those merits um, justify the kapara we're looking for. Tavosecha yikadmu lohem biyom tochicha. Let all those merits... Um, advance themselves almost in advance while you're judging us and before you issue a guilty verdict, let them um, offset or let them counterbalance all the, the merits and the suffering of the Yisurim. So, as so many of the Slichos do, um, 
Jewish history is used both, both as a template to inspire confidence, but also as a reason that if we don't deserve tshuva and kapara on a personal level, at least we deserve it in compensation, so to speak, in lieu of all the suffering we've endured because we're a Kaddish Baruch Hu's chosen people. So that's really the theme of this, and it's a very, very brief pismon. There's not much to speak about that's notable. Two things I'll mention. Number one, in the end, there's a reference to a Perak in Ovadia, a very, very famous Perak in Ovadia, which describes the apocalyptic return of redeemers to Yushalayim, to Harzion, and we recite it every day, Moshim Beharzion, the Shabbos Harisav. It's the day of apocalypse, it's the day of judgment. Paisel Hashem Hamlucha, and Hashem will finally be accredited, incarnated as the universal king, so what's interesting about this Pasuk and Ovadja, and about the Parak and Ovadja, is that it casts redemption in particular as the triumph and the vanquishing of Esav. There's a judgment, and we believe that in the end of days, all wicked and all iniquitous and all blasphemous nations will be judged. So for the end of days is a day of judgment, not just a day of salvation, a day of military victory, and a day of reconstructing Beis HaMikdash. It's a day of judgment. It's a day of Yom Adin. And this Perak in Ovadja is a special, unique treatment of Yom Hadin through the lenses of Edom, through the lenses of Rome, through the lenses of Esav, and judging Esav in particular for their savagery and their brutality towards Am Yisrael. So this Slicha actually adopts that imagery. And I'm reading now the second to last stanza, which sounds very similar to the first stanza, at least in structure, but there's an interesting focus and reference about this Pasek and Ovadia, and then, of course, uh, an interesting historical note. Yivashu kol, we should be, the Jewish people should be redeemed in open and obvious fashion that everyone can easily discern, v'al yimshiluvam rishayim, so that we're no longer ruled or no longer lorded over by evil people. Now, for this to happen, and that's a, a very, very generic introduction, that we're saved, we're redeemed, the wicked people will no longer torment the Jewish people. But the second part of the stanza, and remember, each stanza in this slicha is only two sentences, Kalei Seir V'chotno, Kodesh Baruch you should destroy, you should eliminate, Seir, Seir is the town of Esav, the mountain of Esav, Har Seir, V'chotno, and Esav's father-in-law, V'yalu L'Tzion Moshiim. And the redeemers should ascend to Zion. So again, it's a direct reference to Ovadia Perakalaf, the Alu Moshiim, the Alu Moshiim. The redeemers, the saviors, should ascend to Zion, and they should judge Esav. In this respect, Esav is not referred to as Esav as it is in the Pasuk in Ovadia, but as the Seir, as the, the town that was affiliated with Esav. And affixed to Esav is the father-in-law of Esav, who is Esav's father-in-law, none other than Yishmael. One of the daughters who were the progeny of Yishmael was taken by Esav in Parshas Toldos as his wife, Machlas. So this is a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, destroying, judging, um, eliminating the wicked amongst Esav and the wicked amongst Yishmael, the wicked Christians who have afflicted the Jewish people and the wicked Muslims who have afflicted those who are wicked, those who deserve to be eliminated. Now, what's interesting is at some point, this slicha must have undergone some politically oriented censure or or uh, 
careful control because those who read it, especially if it was written, as we assumed, in Ashkenazic countries, it may have been read by Christians. And too direct a reference to Christians or to the Seir may have elicited a lot of hostility, opposition, book burning, anti-Semitism, whatever. So many of the versions, the word chosna was added. It's probably true that originally this kin, this slicha just had the word seir, and it was a direct reference to Ovadja, which only talks about seir, Edom, Esav. But somehow, at some point, this slicha was changed to read seir v'chotno, seir and his father-in-law, to perhaps conceal the intended identity of the word seir, so that if the person, the Christian censor, reading this slicha may not have been aware that Esav's father-in-law was really Yishmael, uh, father was really Yishmael, and that word chosna, his father-in-law, probably threw him off. It can't be referring to Esav, it must be referring to some other esoteric idea. So this was a very interesting historical change, and in many kina, in many slicha books you'll find the word chosna is written in smaller face to, to highlight the fact that it really doesn't belong, but it, this slicha was probably originally written as a direct gloss to Avadja, and a direct, as it were, reference to the end of days and the elimination of Esav and the retribution from Esav. And the word chosna, which fits because it's a reference to Ishmael, and then it's a symmetrical passage, it's probably added to try to deflect some of the attention from the word Esav. Or in this case, Seir. Another very interesting image in this slicha is in the second stanza. They are banging on your doors, on your gates. They're banging on your gates. A reference to the people who are soliciting and asking for tshuva. And they're poor, they're impoverished, they don't deserve, they have no merits. So the stanza concludes, Listen to their quiet prayer. Please listen to the one who dwells upon high. This image of knocking on a door, Sharechahim Dovkim, reappears quite often, relatively, throughout the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Davening. In the very, very well-known, celebrated passage of V'chol Maminim, V'chol Maminim, which goes through the Aleph base, everyone, everyone believes, everyone asserts. So one of the phrases is, HaPoseach Shar You open the gates to those who bang, who, who request tshuva. So there's a parallel between the slicha and the and the piyot or the the uh, songs many communities sing v'chol maminim. Um, in some of the vidui's on Yom Kippur, we recite atadno senyad leposhim. You stretch your arm out to those who are sinners, and we talk about those sinners banging the doors down. I don't know if I heard this or read this in the name of Rav Soloveitchik. I may have, but it's certainly something based on something he developed that this imagery reflects the fact, highlights the issue that tshuva is not something that human beings deserve. It's not something they're licensed to. It's so anti-logical. It's so anti-rational. How can you change the past? How can you eliminate things which or consequences and punishments, which is just so obviously every action is a reaction and every crime is a consequence, and tshuva is just miraculous? It's not part of this world. That's why tshuva was created 2,000 years before the world. You would think that there'd be no purpose for tshuva being created before the world, before man existed, before freedom of choice, before the fall of man, and yet it's created before the world, because everything we know in our world and all the systems of laws that govern us, time and physics and chemistry, they're all 
very carefully regulated, and we need those regulated realities because it helps us predict our our world and live in our world. If we didn't know that the laws of physics would hold the asphalt under our feet, we couldn't take two steps forward because we'd fear that the ground beneath us would sink into the abyss and we'd follow suit. So we rely on physics and we rely on chemistry and we rely on biology and we rely on politics to create healthy, sustainable governmental agencies to protect people's rights and to (coughs) sustain harmony. So there's so many rules that were set into place during the six days of creation that we rely upon, and then comes this one experience which defies and shatters any rule, any convention. And that's true, but that's why true can't be created um, during those... Uh, it can't be created after the world is created. It has to be created before it's not of this world. And that attitude really shapes two very different arcs of tshuva, that we look at tshuva as something, which is our license, that we get very complacent about it, or we very relaxed, it's the season of moral inventory, it's the season of improvements, like spring cleaning, and this is fall personal cleaning, or is there a, an instability and a frustration and a, and a crisis of sorts and a, and a real authentic process of inspection and brokenheartedness and frustration and, and um, indignation itself mortification at your own failure. And the image of someone knocking on the door, demanding tshuva, carries that sense. You don't knock when you come to your own home. You walk in the door because that's your home. You're licensed to be there. That's your place. You knock when you're invited someplace you don't belong, so to speak, naturally. You're invited to enter a place which is different. And when we enter the realm of tshuva, we really are entering a different place, a different space, (coughs) not our natural deserved environs. So this image in the Pismon of the third night, they're knocking on your doors, suggests, evokes this aspect of tshuva, that it's not something deserved, we have to knock. And also, to a degree, knocking may also suggest a different facet of tshuva, that it's something that we have the right, especially when we ask for tshuva on behalf of Amisol, to be assertive about, to be a knocker. There's a loudness and a demand almost, and this is to a degree a bit contrary to what I said a few moments ago, and to a degree there's a difference between asking for kapara as an individual or asking for kapara on behalf of the Jewish people as a representative of an entire nation, but there is an assertion of tshuva, especially when when we invoke the 13 midos and historical moments of tshuva that the knocking also suggests. So these are some of the highlights of a very, very brief and to a degree, nondescript pismon. This is a smallish one. There's not as much happening in it. It's pretty classic. Many of the phrases could simply be lifted out of this pismon and placed very easily into many other pismon, which just suggests that it's not really that dramatically unique. It's very generic, as we would say. There's, it is a vanilla flavor to it. But there is an intertwining between the salvation of the Jewish people and the personal salvation which is being sought so desperately. There is an interesting reference to Ovadia and the final day of judgment and the final salvation, Moshiim, that are sent to Haresav to judge Haresav and to establish HaKadosh Baruch Hu's undisputed monarchy. And that was changed, was amended to be a reference to this strange father-in-law of Seir. And we all know that father-in-law to be Ishmael that created maybe a smokescreen. And then finally, this image of knocking on the door of heaven, requesting truth.